Well, we're going to take a look at that. It's going to be our text for this morning. All that being said, uh, James chapter 4, we're going to start in uh, verse 1. Read about 8 or 10 verses here to the end. It says, um, I thought that said chapter 3, sorry. It is chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Oh, this is going to hurt now. He's talking to us. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship for the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. <clears throat> this, uh, the main part of this text here begins in, in, in verse 4. And this, this, this thing is tough on us. He is t- he's, he's writing to the church, James, the brother of our Lord, or half-brother of our Lord, uh, saw that the model of Christ in his life lived with it for the first 30-some years and uh, saw the model of, of, of what uh, true submission and true uh, putting yourself back in the right place. What, he saw what that looked like living with him all those years. And so he knows what that looks like. And, and so he illustrates that here, and, and, he's, and he's pretty hard on his people here. He's writing this letter to the church in Jerusalem. And... Uh, been preserved now for for centuries to be passed on uh, to us, and and so he, you know, he's talking to the to the people that he loves the most, the people that he sacrificed, the people that he would eventually give his life for here, and he calls them you adulterous people. That does not mean he did not love them. That's the same way with us. It says that it says what it says, and and we'll go with that. But we don't say these and read these words particularly from your eldership, because we want to chastise anybody, because we're picking on any one person, it's because we love you, and we want the very best for you. you know, there's been a lot of men stood in this pulpit in, in the last few years, and every one of them thought the same thing. Our, you know, with Mike and, and Justin is here today, uh, stood in this very spot. Tom, is before and after him. Andy, watching at home. Hey, Andy. Uh, sound like Barney from Mayberry. But, uh, <laughs> he, uh, these, these men have stood in, the, in this very place and, and wanted the same thing as I do and the elders do. We want the very best for you. And these problems that are coming up in, in our lives, and we all have them. There's not just one person or five people. or Everybody uh, has them. Uh, these things uh, that, that come up in our lives that give us trouble, that causes us strife and, and worry and stress and even as far as fights uh, among uh, one another are all caused because we're willing to uh, surrender. He, uh, James uses the, the language here as an adulterous person. The scriptures are, are full of that. Here, uh, you know, in the book of Isaiah, uh, God's people are called his bride. 
Also in, in Revelation, they talk about the bride of Christ, and you are, and you are it. You, his, his, uh, his body of, of believers that meets here week after week, are uh, the bride of Christ. You've been made holy. Uh, your garments have been uh, washed white by the blood. Uh, by his blood, and you are his bride, and yet so that's where the, I think the uh, the language of adultery or adulterous people comes in from. You're cheating on God. Uh, boy, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But that's the way Peterson uh, uh, translates that. You've been cheating on God. You're doing all these other things and putting him in second uh, place, and so uh, the, the language makes a perfect sense. Uh, uh, to me, I would like to look here in Revelation 19.7 just to lighten things up here uh, just a little bit. It's not like we're trying to beat anybody up with this deal or something because it does have a happy ending here in 19, uh, Revelation 19, verse 7. I'll read it for you very quickly. Uh, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and, the br- and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the believers. And the angel said to me, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's you. Invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the words of the one true, of the one true God. You see, Jesus has called you uh, what he is. And he doesn't want to be second place. He doesn't want to take a place in, in your life uh, that, that, that is not uh, rightfully uh, his. So, and, so, and so we're encouraged you know, by these, these words, Blessed are you, it says. Who are invited to this wedding supper of the Lamb? Blessed are you, happy are those. Some people even might say, uh, lucky. <laughs> Sometimes we don't feel so lucky. Sometimes we don't feel so blessed to, uh, in, in the struggles that w- we go through. But in the big picture of things, and that's what we're looking here, is the big picture of eternal uh, things here. In, in the big picture of things, you are blessed and you should be happy. You should feel lucky. To be able to uh, deal with the things that you uh, uh, deal with, and I know that's not easy to do. Believe me, I've had my own struggles as well uh, with, with those issues, as we all have. And but we always uh, know that God has not given up on us. He continues to call us back. He continues to restore us time after time because we are His. And let's not ever uh, forget this. And so this. Um, this next uh, a part here, he calls friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Boy, that's that's brutal uh, uh, as well. Uh, it, it's uh, something to uh, make us think. Man, I don't want to be caught in that in that number that's uh, like the parable of the sheep and the goats. When he says, "Lord," he says, "When the Lord says, Depart from me, for I never knew you.'" I knew who you were, and you knew who I was, but I never knew you. And I think that's kind of what he's uh, getting at here, this trying to walk on the, on, on just barely on the line and maybe one toe over the, the line as in our walk with Jesus and the things we do, the places we go, uh, things like that. And so it's dangerous to be that way. Uh, and so we probably are calling for a little bit of a reality check in, in each of our uh, lives uh, as well. Friends with the world make God an enemy. And boy, that's a scary place to be. And he's not writing this to people who are lost. He's writing this to people who are in the church. And that would be uh, uh, this next part here down into uh, verse uh, 5. This is one that I struggled with. 
I had a hard time with it. I still don't know that I can completely understand it. I asked a couple people last night about it. Uh, that I, that I'm still working on this up till last night. This one, one verse here, and I finally come to something. I think I've settled it in my own mind, but there is room for some debate. Uh, here in verse 5 it says, Do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? The spirit that he caused to live in us, I think we kind of covered it during revival uh, during, during the week on, on day 2, Genesis chapter 2, it said God created man and he breathed life into him. I kind of think that when he breathed life into us, that was his spirit. That spirit that lives with us, within us. Not the things, not the supernatural Holy Spirit that came later at times, sometime later, I guess. But that spirit that existed before time, before before, or when time began, I guess to be more technically accurate, I guess when time began, that spirit that God breathed into his, breathed into his people, and it says he envies intensely. He's a jealous God. And he tells us, he told us that in the Ten Commandments, I'm a jealous God. You saw no other gods before me. Boy, that's, that's a, a scary uh, thought. But it is the spirit that, was, that came from the beginning of time, uh, that God is just crazy about you. That is his spirit that lives in you and it draws you to him. It, draw, it drew you to him before you ever knew him. It drew you to him before Jesus ever walked this earth. It was drawing mankind to himself, working in lives of people. The, the scriptures tell us that uh, there's a spot made in the heart of every man that only God can fill. And when we're looking for that, he'll fill it. He makes us that promise as well. And so it's born into you. They can argue all that they want that, about uh, that, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's a pretty uh, plain teaching. It works in different ways. We're going to get into that here in a couple minutes uh, when we get into John chapter 3 to go along with this. But there, we'll just uh, briefly now go through the, um, the next couple of verses here. He gives us the nuts and bolts here starting in verse 7, how to make this work. How to be obedient to him. And there's about four, five, six things here that he, that he lists that are very plain. Here in the first one, this is the hard one. He surrender, submit. Submit yourself into God. Man, that, that's not always easy. I understand that. I've certainly had struggles with that uh, myself, as we all have. But that's what it says. Submit yourself to him. It's the best thing for you. He knows it's the best thing to you, and so do you. Surrender in all situations, the things that really belong to him. Resist the devil, he says. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's a promise in Scripture. Just like for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would, uh, will have eternal life. It's just as true. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I bet you if you're honest with yourself and think about that for a minute, you've seen that happen. There have been times when you have been tempted, and so have I, when you resisted that temptation, and then it was gone. It may come back again. I didn't say that. It's never over a lot of times. Uh, but, it, but you've seen that happen. You can attest that that is true. And you know, that's made you feel pretty good when you did that. You resisted, and, and God uh, took that temptation away, at least for a time. And you said, thank you, Lord. I'm sure you did. I have. 
uh, more than, than once. But when he says, it's this promise here that says, Resist and he will uh, flee for you. Draw near to God, he says here, continuing on that last paragraph. Draw near to God and he will come near to you. Another promise. If you're searching for him, he can be found. And that, that's something to think that the God of this universe, the God that created it all in a, in a week, thinks enough of you to be found by you when you're looking. And that, that's just an amazing promise. I love that thing. That, and we talk about it when we make, get meet around the table a lot, uh, that, about that God cared enough so much that he'd even come, come searching for me. He illustrates that, that point with the, in the parable of the prodigal son. You're all familiar with that, where it says God ran. The father ran to receive his son. What a, what a beautiful picture that is. And that's what he's telling you here, the same thing. Uh, come near to God, and he'll come near to you. And then he says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. I don't know when the last time you wept over your sin. And maybe you never have. And maybe you don't have to. Maybe you're repentant heart. But I know that I have. I know I wept over my sin because I knew that I had defended God and I defended a, either a brother or a sister in Christ. And boy, was I, and it was good. That repentance, that redemption is sweet. It comes, it's the same way with broken marriages, hurting homes, broken hearts. That redemption is sweet. That reunion with Him is sweet. It doesn't get any better than that. It's kind of like when you fight with your wife. When you make up with her, it's good. You know? Maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't, but I have. It's good. And so, that's the picture that James is painting here for his people. You know, do these things, the nuts and bolts of of walking with Jesus uh, are are summed up here in in a couple paragraphs here. Grieve, mourn, and wail, humble yourselves, and that goes along with this the theme of the whole deal. Humble yourself, surrender, submit. This, this faith that we walk in is loaded with that. Husbands and wives and, and husbands to the church and submit to one another here it says here in First Peter I think it is. Submit and, and boy that's just the opposite of what, we're, what we see around us. Uh, in this world that we live in, but we're called to be a different person. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to look like aliens and strangers in this world. So we do things uh, uh, that are different, and this is for the for our own uh, good. He said, uh, "This humbling thing is difficult for me to uh, understand." In First Peter, he says, "Humble yourselves, and He will lift you up." First Peter five, I believe, says that. Humble yourselves, and he will lift you. You put yourself in the lower position. You know, it's the, the, just the act of asking for forgiveness is very humbling. There have been times when I should have asked for forgiveness, and I didn't. And for that, I've had to repent. I've apologized to many when I've offended somebody, but I didn't ask for forgiveness because that would require me to humble myself and put myself in the lower position because... Just like God forgives us, he, is, he has the authority, He holds the upper hands. It is His position alone uh, to forgive when I've sinned against Him. It is in the same way as we forgive and seek forgiveness from one another. And I can, I have to, I've had to repent for that because I'm stubborn and, and prideful and things like that. I've had to ask my wife to forgive me 
probably near, near as many times as I should have, but it gives her the authority to do so, and she does so willingly when I ask. And so I know that there are people that I have offended in these, there are people that are not here today because I offended, whether on purpose or never on purpose, but still, still real. It still happened. I did not intend to offend anybody, but I did. And so just, that's just a process of dealing uh, with people. It just happens from time to time. And, uh, but this thing of where it says humble one another or humble yourselves and ask for forgiveness, is, uh, it, it's a sweet deal. And it's something I don't want you to miss out on here as, as you walk uh, this walk called uh, life. And so now we kind of look at these uh, things, this thing called forgiveness. I'd like to show you a little clip here. I came into my email on, on Monday morning. I don't even, I'm not for sure if it came from my Bible app or through Right Now Media. I could never find it again, but I was able to call Kurt and say, Kurt, i got to have this. I want you to see this. So, Jeff, if you've got that ready, could you play that clip for us, please? It's you. It's real. Lilith. No, no, please, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I, I ministered to you, Lilith. I don't answer to that name. I am Mary. I was born Mary. But you were called Lilith, yes? Please, I must go. No, no, please, Mary. I, I am desperate for your help, Mary. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. Are you really a Pharisee? Yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't... I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense? I don't remember. It's all a blur. I can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine. But you you are healed. That, that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. That makes two of us. <laughs> how long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Someone else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so. Who did this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. He performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I, I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. 
I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have to be home to prepare for Shabbat, as I'm sure you do. So mean that you're even hosting Shabbat dinner. It will be nothing like yours, I'm sure of that. But I'm going to try. Hey, it's Dallas. I'm the director of The Chosen, and if you liked what you just saw, you don't need to wait. You can go right now to thechosen.tv. Okay, there are a couple things that you probably had a hard time understanding in that because of the thick accents, a little bit hard to understand. There's a pass a line in that clip. If you notice when, he, when Nicodemus first approached her on the street, he called her Lena. And then through the conversation, he said, he called me Mary. Now, Lena, I, looked at, I had to look it up. I didn't know what I had to look it up. Uh, Lena uh, means the, the woman of Magdalene. And by the woman, I mean the woman of Magdalene. She got around a, a, a little bit here. And Jesus gave her a new name. He called me Mary. I don't know where that exactly come from. It's not found in the scriptures. But it's very possible that it happened just that way. I don't know. It, the point being that the encounter with Jesus changed her life. She didn't even call herself Lena anymore. She called herself Mary. She was something different. She didn't know how to explain it, she said. She'd been born again. In John chapter 3, we read about this encounter of, of Nicodemus with, uh, with Jesus. Like I said before, you're all familiar with John 3.16. You learned it when you were a kid in Sunday school. But in front of that, the thing that brought this on here, I think, is... An, uh, Something that uh, we may have missed uh, along the way, at least some of us. Some who are struggling with, with different issues in your life. It goes along with surrender and submission. In John chapter 3, starting uh, verse uh, 3, I guess. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and of the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everything born of the Spirit. You see, these things, the reason I think that we have so much trouble with, with the fights and the quarrels and things that go on in our lives, the hard times, the, the, the difficult spiritual walk, I think, in, uh, I can't say in every case, as I'm not the judge, I don't know your heart or where you've been. That's for sure. But if you search your heart and be honest, 
have you really surrendered? He said, you must be born again. What does that mean? Wikipedia, you're not going to like this much. But this is what Wikipedia thinks of being born again. It sounds very sterile to me. It said, the definition is a phrase used by many Protestants to describe the phenomenon of gaining faith in Jesus. It is an experience when everything you've been taught as Christians becomes real. And they develop a personal relationship with God. That sounds very sterile, I think. Doesn't sound very personable. Ezekiel chapter 36, Old Testament scriptures, way back, prophets. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. That's what it is to be born again, I think. I think that's the thing that Jesus... How, how many of us have been in a tight spot and repented from that and surrendered in that and knew that it was a, it was a hand of God working? We have. I've seen it. When I surrendered my will and, and my uh, mind and, and my actions to Him, I know that it is Spirit that's doing that. God heals a lot of things. And he's done it over and over again. We've all seen it. But he says, I'll give you that. I'll give you a new heart. The scriptures are clear. He says, seek me and you'll find me. He says it in multiple places in the scriptures. And I believe that to be, to be true. If you seek me, you will find me. I believe it's that thing that, uh, like the lady in, in the clip there, that says, I, I'm not how I used to be. I've submitted to him. I've been born from above, as Jesus said. It's, it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing, and it's, uh, it's sweet here. To continue on, the, the, the look here in John chapter 3 now again. He continues to, de- to teach uh, Nicodemus here. And um, he winds up the, the passage here. Let's not wind it up. The pressure that we read, he's winding that up. And he, he said, you can't tell about the wind. It comes, you know where it comes from or where it's going. That's how the Spirit works in your life. For me to look at, it, at any one event in anybody's life and know how God is, is working in their lives can't do it. It's just like trying to figure out the wind. Deb uh, went outside last night during that little thunderstorm that was happening way over, over east, but the wind over here was fueling that thunderstorm, and it was really a-blowing there for a little bit. And uh, she walked around one, one corner of the house, and it was calm. Uh, the kids had left a bicycle out, I guess, in the weather there, and she was going to put it in the garage. She walked around the corner of that garage, and it nearly blew her uh, backwards there. It was so strong. And that's how the spirit uh, works. We don't know where it's coming from, but we know when it hits you. It's strong, and it pushes back Amen. once in a while. And so that's how this is supposed to, to work, I think. I can't tell what God is doing in, in your life, but you can. You know whether you are surrendered to him. You know whether that spirit is blowing in your life. You can lean into the wind, and you can fight it all you want, but you can't make it change. It's relentless. God is relentlessly pursuing you. 
And that's a good thing. It's good in my life, I know. I see these things and read these things, and I'm still like Nicodemus in a lot of them. I said, you're Israel's teacher, and you don't understand these things? Well, he's probably talking about me on a lot of those things, because I don't understand all of it. But I understand enough of it to know that his, his, his love is fierce. It's relentless. It never gives up. We sing the song, oh, no, you never give up on me. Boy, that's, that's true. And I'm thankful for that. If you are struggling with things and know that you have not surrendered, we invite you to, to do that today. That's all I've got to say about that, kind of like Forrest Gump says. But I know the Lord has been dealing with me on this for a while. I've been thinking about it for a while, just waiting for the opportunity to share it with you all. But if you, don't, if you have not completely surrendered... And let God come into your heart and allow yourself to be born again, giving yourself a new name. We invite you to do that today. That redemption is sweet. This church leads us in a song. You can come. The elders will be here to, to, to talk with you, pray with you, whatever you need to do. If you'll stand with me this morning. We're going to sing, I Surrender All. The words will be on the screen, and as we sing, if you'll come forward.